can turn to Luke chapter 2. We're actually going to do a repeat of a, verse, a set of verses that uh, I preached into a couple weeks ago. And as you're going there, you, you guys are probably, you're smarter than me. You probably know this already. But I discovered that car manufacturers, they actually don't guess how many cars and trucks they're going to sell and then manufacture you know, all the red and the silver and the blue and whatever it is for that particular model year. They do that kind of to a point, but what actually happens is they advertise the new model and they have enough kind of just for viewing in their showrooms, but then the rest are essentially made to order. And so if you're buying, like, say, a brand new 2020 Ford F-150 or something like that, uh, unless it's right off the lot, one of those showroom kind of trucks, you sit down with that salesperson, you work out all the particulars, and you add the different add-ons and whatever, and then they send that order into a massive administrative network that coordinates delivering you your truck. Now... The basic Ford F-150 is made in Dearborn, Michigan. It's a massive plant. I think there's a, I've got a picture of it there. And did you know that it actually only takes 20 hours to build that truck? From start to finish, from when it comes in to when it pops out the other end. Um, what's more amazing is the plant actually churns out 1,250 of those trucks every day. I didn't realize that. And more amazing still... At each assembly station, for example, like the person who attaches the steering wheels, there's this coordination system of orders that delivers the right part to the right station at exactly the right time when that installer needs it. So if you're the kind of person that likes to custom order things so you want your ball cap and the stitching in it to you know, match the coloring in your leather steering wheel and the stitching or something like that, no judgment. If that's you, that's fine. No judgment. Right? But if that's you, well, then that manufactured custom steering wheel finds its way from that manufacturer all the way to Michigan. It enters the Ford's plant on the day that your truck is actually being built. And if your truck is number, say, 978 in that assembly line of all those thousand trucks or whatever that are being built... That custom-stitched steering wheel is finding its way through that plant in a five-minute time window because that's how long it actually takes to install the steering wheel. And just as truck number 977 is passing by, the installer reaches back and 978 is coming up. There's your custom-stitched steering wheel and he's able to install it. That's phenomenal to me. And that happens at all of these different stations uh, until your vehicle is completed and pops out the other end. If human beings are capable of designing such an intricately detailed system to coordinate thousands of events, and the people that it takes to actually bring that truck into being, imagine what God accomplished getting the entire universe, the entire world, ready for his visit in Bethlehem. Oh, there's nothing. I got nothing from you. I got nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it is a feat so stupendous, and if 
English is not your first language. Stupendous means, wow, amazing, huge, big, awesome. I don't, I don't get it. It's just massive, right? That's stupendous that makes that Ford motor plant look like a Midas muffler shop. Like, it's just, it's mind-blowing. And as I was thinking about this, the Lord brought my mind to Galatians 4.4 4 and says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that might, we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. God sent his son at exactly the right time. Jesus was actually born at the most opportune time in human history. God, who's not bound by space and time, able to see the beginning from the end, was able to go, there, that's when I'm going to do it. God answered and fulfilled multiple prophecies in the Old Testament at that particular moment in time. It was literally the perfect moment on the perfect day. And the Savior was brought forth who would change the course of humanity forever. Scripture also says in Romans 8, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. God not only cares about getting the big jobs done, like coordinating the birth of his son, he cares about you. That's why he sent his son. It, it, it's not like, it doesn't mean like a, like a, a Hallmark uh, you know, made-for-TV movie where they say, don't worry, it'll work out in the end, you'll see. Right? It's not that kind of empty kind of, kind, of, kind of verbiage. It means that for those who've received the gift of Christmas by inviting Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, that no matter how difficult your life and my life may still yet get, it doesn't mean it all evaporates and everything goes peacefully. No matter what life looks like, God has promised that he is actually weaving the events of our life into this tapestry that he has been creating since before the beginning of time itself. And when he is finished weaving all of that together, and creation actually looks at this entire picture that's being created on that tapestry, we will stand in silent awe. We will be dumbfounded. We will be amazed at the goodness that he has brought into all things. And we'll see how Jesus, his son, is actually at the very center of it all. And it's in this context that I want to come back to the familiar words of the Christmas story found in Luke 2. Coming back to those shepherds on a hill, starting in verse 8. And I read this passage just two weeks ago when I was talking about joy, so read with me. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths 
and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Two weeks ago I talked about this incredible joy that we can have and we can live with because Jesus was sent to us. Last week, Norm talked about hope. Today, I want to connect with the truth of why we celebrate peace on this third Sunday of the Advent season. Peace. So, after Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, gives this message, this news about Jesus, the Savior being born, this angel choir appears and worships and gives glory to God for this news that has just been revealed. See, they were actually looking, in a way, they were looking at the tapestry of what God had been weaving together, what he had just woven together. And in singing their hymn together, glory to God in the highest, they were actually heralding, trumpeting, shouting, declaring to these shepherds, we're shouting the praises of God because tonight, the God of the universe in the fullness of time, in the sovereignty, and then the sovereign coordination of his hand, he has shifted, he has moved, he has woven, he has changed, he's oriented creation towards his purposes. He's brought forth his son. Everything else pales in comparison to what has just been done here tonight in Bethlehem. Glory to God in the highest. Yeah, that's what they were singing about. But the next bit, at the end of what I just read, can be confusing. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. In a nutshell, I believe the angels were declaring and praising the fact that God had made a way for humanity to be at peace with him. Instead of people being separated from God by their rebellion and their sin, he made a way for there to be peace. And that answer would actually bring peace to the hostility between actually humanity itself and God that had been there since the fall in the garden. Who had arrived? The Prince of Peace had arrived. It was Jesus who had been born to Mary and Joseph in a little stable in Bethlehem. God had promised that there would be a prince over 400 years before the prophet Isaiah spoke. I can imagine, I wonder what Handel, uh, Handel, the, the one who composed the Messiah, the big orchestral classical work, when he was reading this passage in Isaiah that says, a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and he will be our ruler. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, right? If you know some of that, that, that of, of Handel's Messiah, it'd be Wonderful, Counselor, Almighty God and Everlasting Father. And who else? Prince of Peace, right? That's what's important to understand. Peace is not a concept, it's a person. It is a person. The peace that the angels are declaring to humanity and the earth in their hymn, it actually finds its very source 
and flow from the one who actually creates the peace. And that source is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the peace bringer. He is the peace provider. He is the peace bringer. He's the peacemaker. He's the prince of peace. The king of peace, if you will. It doesn't take much to see that, I mean, Norm just mentioned this a little while ago. It doesn't take much to see that, that humanity, that the world is, is still at war with God, battling to keep him out of the spotlight, right? Out of the schools, out of our public institutions, out of our colleges, our universities, uh, out of the news, even to the point of declaring, you know, as a philosopher once said, that God's dead, right? The best word that I could find in the English language that sums up all of these things is a very, very old word. And sorry, if English isn't your first language, I'll explain it to you. It's the word enmity. It's actually hard to say, especially if English isn't your first language. Enmity. E-N-M-I-T-Y. Which means hostile, hatred toward, antagonistic, and animosity, an intense dislike, an aversion, ill will, Wishing harm to come upon. That's a, that's a lot encapsulated into just a few letters. It takes even less time to see that not only are humans this way before their maker, they're also the same way, and we're also the same way towards each other. The Bible says that the wicked will have no peace but that Jesus came to make peace. So if we still see this enmity happening 2,000 years later, after Jesus' birth, well, what did the Prince of Peace actually accomplish in coming to earth? We still have all of this stuff going on around us. Well, let's look at that. There's three things. First, Jesus reconciled the world to God through his atonement. That's a fancy way of saying, in simple terms, Jesus made peace between God and humanity. He paid the price for our sin. That's what Jesus brought with him. That's actually the message of Christmas. It's actually the ultimate message of Easter, isn't it? In this little feeding trough in Bethlehem, lay the one who would save his people from their sins. Up to this point, the Jewish people, they knew that their sins could never be totally dealt with, never, never to be washed away, just through those sacrifices that they made year after year at the temple. They could, their sins could only be covered over. But the pure, spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, had been born to act as that ultimate and final sacrifice at the cross of Calvary. That's why I love what Kathleen and the decor team did with the manger and the cross being together. They're connected. That that death would actually pay the price for the eternal death and separation from God that is caused by sin. And that sin's a terminal disease that's inherited by every one of us upon, well, actually, be, upon being born. 
And Jesus is the cure to that disease. And he gladly paid for that cure with his very own life. If you've never, if you've never received this cure, you can. And you can do that today. You need it. Otherwise, you will actually never experience a life of true peace. I'll be bold and say that you'll never experience that life of true peace. So, the first point deals with the entire world, humanity. Jesus atoned, paid for the sins of the entire world, making peace between us and God. But it's not enough to simply say, well, great, thanks for that. Great. The second thing Jesus does is Jesus actually brings us personally to a state of peace with God. In order for that peace to actually become a reality in our own lives, we actually need to receive it. We need to welcome it. We need to welcome that peace in and invite it in, the person of Jesus Christ, into ourself, personally, body, mind, spirit, soul. When we step out in faith to believe Jesus is who he says he is and invite him to be our Savior, why he was sent for us, as we humbly confess our sin and our mistakes and we ask him to forgive us, inviting him to be Lord of our life and and asking him to actually take control of our life instead of us, asking the Lord to help us to do life his way instead of our own, faithfully following after him. As we do that, then we have invited the Prince of Peace into our life. We've actually received that precious gift that the Bible calls salvation, which brings peace between you and God. Every one of us need it. You are welcomed. You, you actually walk through the open door of Jesus Christ and you become part of the family of God, adopted as sons, as daughters. And this peace, it's similar to the joy I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Because we can have this peace, and Norm mentioned it, despite our circumstances. Even in the midst of those circumstances, whether they're good or whether they're bad. The peace that we receive, there's a few things I just want to highlight. This peace brings with it eternal security. We don't often use a phrase like that. Eternal security means we have peace in knowing that if and when we die, no matter what the circumstance of our death, we will find ourselves in heaven for eternity with God. The guarantee of that new home address was purchased for you and is held by Jesus himself. It can't be lost. It's eternal. And it links into this second thing. It's an anchor to us. The peace of Jesus Christ is an anchor. We can have deep internal peace that anchors us to trust Jesus no matter what gets thrown at us on our journey throughout life. God's word actually promises that he is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Do we believe that? Is that our anchor? Do we go deep into him instead of other things? 
That's where our peace comes from. That's where we don't get blown around in the storm. Trade your worries, trade your anxieties, trade your fears for his peace. The Bible also calls calls it the peace that passes understanding. For many of us, um, we've grieved losses, uh, maybe currently. So many of you have told me over the years in, in various ways that even though in those moments, in those new moments of grief, that even as your heart felt ripped apart, I, I, it was this sense that there was this river flowing, this current of peace that was finding its way deep down that, that provided something deep down in your spirit that just simply didn't make sense. It didn't match up with the circumstances of what you were going through, especially in the midst of that. People have told me, I realized that it was the Prince of Peace. It was the Prince of Peace meeting me by his Holy Spirit to provide me with a way through my grief, reminding me that that he'd actually hold me together and he would help me heal. It doesn't make sense to the world around us. But it's something that we feel deep within us and we know when we feel it. Many of you have sat in my office for a variety of reasons or seeking counsel on a decision or something like that. And I'm humbled by that. Most of the time I feel very inadequate. (laughs) But thankfully, we get to come to Jesus together. Um, as we explore that decision and we pray about it, as we invite Jesus into those circumstances, we might not arrive at a solution that particular day. Um, but I'm always blessed when Jesus shows up. He promises to actually show up. And he actually provides his peace to continue stepping, whatever that one step, two steps forward is, to just Go out, uh, go on a little bit farther. And you know, I've come to expect a certain kind of response from people, not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus is doing in them. They say something like, you know, it was really difficult for me to make this decision. But by the end of it, I felt that kind of despite my fears and my hang-ups, that I had, I had, I had this deep internal peace to actually take the leap that I needed to. It was like that peace actually helped guide me to the other side. I don't, is there anybody who can identify with that? Well, some of you, maybe. Where do you need that kind of peace today? Third, not only is Jesus brought peace between us and God as far as humanity and you personally, Jesus has made a way for you and I to truly love people, to be at peace with one another. Now, I realize I'm kind of oversimplifying things, but if humans are left to themselves, here's what human history shows us over time, time and again, that we have this tremendous capacity to do good. 
But then greed and pride and rebellion and, and, and whatever else, every host of nasty qualities start to creep in, especially if there's no laws that keep us from, from doing so. And we start treating people who do our way, things our way nicely and the people who don't do things our way badly. In fact, we can actually try to destroy them so that we can get on with the way that we want to do things the way that we like them. I know that's oversimplifying, but does that sound kind of right? Yeah. See, at our core, we are totally selfish. What? Yeah, no, we're selfish. If you get married, you find out that you're selfish. And then when you have kids, you find out how selfish you really are. Because there's so many things that you need to to defer in order to help raise up and serve the other people that are in your life. But this thing of selfishness wants to always kind of find its way out to get our own way. And the only cure for that selfishness is Jesus. The one who actually came to serve, not to be served. The one who came to give his life as a ransom for all instead of actually clinging to it. The one who actually unselfishly took off all of his garments of glory in heaven. All of them. Can you imagine that? To become a human child so that we could find freedom and restoration. He's the one who leads the way for us and is the only one through whom human beings can actually truly love one another. See, as Jesus starts to get at our hearts and transform us, It's like a tea bag being put into a cup of hot water. We begin to get permeated by who he is. We get start to get affected and changed by the very character of God. We become infused and and turned into something that we could never become on our own. And then we get to say, just like with the angels, we get to say along with them. Because we begin to see what the angels saw on that starry night. Glory to God in the highest. And peace. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. To those whom he is pleased with. That same desire starts to beat in our hearts. And like the shepherds, when we have seen Jesus, we want to go and tell everybody about it. It's the reality of encountering Jesus. And he even helps us to love and go to the people that we'd rather not go to. Do you have anybody like that in your life? Maybe. Who are you going to this Christmas? How steeped has the tea of your life been diffused with Jesus? Where's that at? And through that transformation of God's spirit in our lives... Do you know what happens? People actually begin to lay aside their differences in order to love one another, to seek one another's welfare, to banish envy and malice and pride and lust and greed. I tell you, (laughs) the moment that we remove Jesus from the center of that peace together, things start to fall apart. They do. That's the way it is in the church too. 
It doesn't mean that we are perfect you know, in everything, certainly not, but when we exchange peace and love, the peace that Christ gives us, and we actually replace it with something else, or we stop pursuing unity together, or we stop pursuing it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit, or we're trying to find the mind of Christ together, when we stop doing that, the wheels start to come off our relationships pretty quick. It happens. It's part of who we are as human beings. Thankfully, the Lord knew that and he sent his son. As Norm said, peace isn't the absence of war or conflict with people around the world or a lack of strife with other Christians. True peace is the absence of conflict and strife with God. That is true peace. That is true peace. Can I say that one more time? That is true peace. Peace between us and God. The Lord knew He wanted his family back. And he made a way for that anger that burned against sin to be dealt with by sending his son. He wanted us back. He didn't want there to be brokenness. He didn't want there to be wrath in between. So Jesus took that upon himself. Took, paid the price, and made a way for us to get reconnected back with our father. John 14, 27 says, Norm read it this morning, peace I leave with you. My peace, whose is it? Jesus's. Jesus's. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And in Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we pop down to verse 10, it says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life, his resurrection. When you and I are at peace with God, it creates this secure launching pad that actually allows that peace to flow through us. And interestingly, the same peace can't help but find its way to other people in our lives as we just simply share and extend it to them. It flows out of us. That's the way it's meant to work. And the threads that the Lord is is weaving together, just like that system kind of used to manufacture those F-150s, um, the, the Lord knows what he wants you to look like he, at, at the other end. He knows what he's creating. He, he knows exactly what he's creating, and he is sovereignly engineering circumstances in your life toward what is good and what is his glorious goal. It amazes me that God can do that with millions and millions of people all at the same time without making any mistakes. There are no recall notices with when, when God finishes his work. 
especially the finished work of the cross. It's finished. It's done. It's complete. It's perfect. That fills me with great peace, knowing that there is someone that I can trust with my whole life, someone that I can trust to watch over my wife, my family, my kids, this church, who will keep working everything together for good, whether I see it or not. And when I see this whole picture eventually finally come into place, together we will be able to truly sing glory to God in the highest, just like the angels did. So where do you need peace in your life? Where do you need it? We were praying for it. Do you have peace between you and God? True peace starts with him. You get that right and a bunch of other things start to flow and to fall into place. And you can have that today. That's the starting point. It's, it's admitting that we can't find the peace on our own. And we actually need God's help. Don't, don't keep him out of your life. You actually need him. He wants to be with you. The key, whether you whether you follow Jesus for a long time or not, is continually inviting Jesus to be at the center of everything in your life, even if it feels painful for a time. That's the way that peace starts to flow. So where do you need peace today? Keep inviting Jesus into the middle of it and don't let him go. He's not letting you go. Don't let him go. If you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you can. You know, in one sense, what better time to do that than now? Christmas, the time that he was sent, open the gift of Christmas. I want to give you an opportunity to to pray a prayer in a moment. To invite that peace, the who, Jesus, who is the peace into your life. I was going to bring Wilma up here today because I wanted her to highlight something for us. Um, but the plague has hit our home uh, and she is taking care of <laughs> those that have been afflicted. <laughs> um, it happens when you have a house full of lots of people. Like We like to share. It's a good thing. <laughs> but what she would have shared with you today is many of you know that we're uh, a part of uh, what's called Care Portal, um, a system uh, of being able to interface between uh, social services uh, and the church, a way for the church to actually be able to know what needs are in our communities and be able to actually meet them and touch them. Uh, and Wilma's had the joy uh, over the last um, couple of months of being on the front lines of that. Uh, and she's been touched by how many people uh, have rallied around the different requests that have come in. Uh, it's in a wide variety of requests I won't get into today, but um, what she would have expressed here today was the great peace that she has. Like It can actually feel overwhelming when you get the requests in because you go, wow, there's all this stuff that needs to come together. How on earth is the church in Winnipeg ever going to respond to all these particular requests? 
And yet she leans back and goes, no, God, you've been at work putting this together. You've been opening the doors. You've been creating the relationships. You've been bringing us, the church, and social services together, despite the things that would want to actually move us apart. So I'm trusting, and I'm going to be at peace. I'm going to listen to what you have to say, and I'm going to ask that you would guide us in our part as Gateway South Osborne and folks over at Panet Road as well who are coordinating things as well to be able to know where we fit and how people in our church can actually respond to these various needs that come up. They can be anything from, um, well, one of them was a, a family of four kids. Uh, the, one of the parents passed away uh, and the other parent was unable to care for the kids. Uh, and so... Family services needed to come in to take care of that. Uh, But the grandparents decided to actually step up. And in their later years, they now have four kids and a dog that have come into their home. Uh, And it had none of the infrastructure or things kind of needed. But what we were able to do, what you were able to do as a church, was to be able to come alongside and bring a number of really practical things Things as practical as juice boxes for lunches. Because if you are a family with lots of people, you know that lunches are one of the things that is the biggest pain in the neck in the morning. (laughs) Especially when you have four plus kids to get that ready for. Um, Being able to be invited by the social worker. Say, hey, Wilma, would you like to bring your girls with you? Yeah, yeah, sure, why not? And went over to the, the family's home we're able to connect with the kids that were there. We're able to talk with these grandparents. And the grandparents actually asked, hey, are you guys doing anything for Christmas? Oh, yeah, we are, as a matter of fact. Carols by candlelight. You know, the social worker was like, yeah, that's okay. You know, it's okay. They were asking you. <laughs> you know, it's one thing for us to kind of come in and, and push something, but we're waiting for those invitations. So who knows? Maybe there's a family of six people that show up for Carols by candlelight. But that kind of thing impacted them. It brought them joy. It brought them hope. It brought them peace. And they knew that they were loved, at least by someone out there. Those are the kinds of things that are happening in multiple ways. All that on the back table over there, that is you, as a church, coming together, coordinating things, just like that Ford Motor Plant, bringing it all together so that at just the right time, on December 15th, things could be put together and the gifts could be given. That's what God did for us. We get to do the same thing. So how are you partnering with Jesus this Christmas? You know, stay open to him for the opportunities that come that will actually bring peace to others. And step into those moments with faith that God actually wants to meet you there. And if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I need this peace. I need the peace of Jesus in my life. I need Jesus. Well, I just simply want uh, to offer you a moment to be able to pray a simple prayer of faith along with me. It's not magic words. It's just simply a prayer of faith and sincerity that you believe who Jesus says he is, whether you understand it all or not. 
And you want his gift of peace. You want him to come and to lead your life and to be forgiven and start life brand new. So if that's you, I just want to invite us to bow our heads. And if that's you, you can pray just in the quietness of your own heart. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for being the Savior of the world. And thank you for being my Savior. I need your peace. I'm sorry for the wrong things that I've done in my life. Please forgive me. Please rescue me from the power of sin and all its effects. Thank you for offering me the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life with you. I now receive your gift. Please come into my life by your spirit. Be the Lord, Savior, and treasure of my life. Thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. Amen. If you prayed that for the first time, or maybe you're rededicating your life to Jesus, don't leave this place without telling someone. I want to challenge you with that. Don't just make it a quiet, personal thing. Tell the person that you came with. Tell me. Tell Norm. And we'd love to be able to encourage you and give you a small gift uh, that will help you grow in your relationship that you've just started today and understand it. I want to invite the worship team forward. As I do, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, in the same vein as what Norm was praying for peace, Lord, we thank you that you have brought peace. You have made a way for us to experience true peace, true joy, true hope, true love. And Lord, as we all go through the craziness and the busyness of this Christmas season, would you help us to look to you, to find you at the very center, to invite you in, to keep inviting you into every moment of our day so that you, the Prince of Peace, can lead, can guide, and can anchor us into those deep things that will not only bring us joy and satisfaction, but will actually help us to experience peace and extend that to other people as well. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment in time. And we bless you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.